Wolftai Soundchart. Insights and analysis from one of the leading law firms in Central, Eastern and Southeastern Europe. Hello and welcome to the Wolftai Soundshot Podcast Digital Law Edition. My name is Roland Marco. I am Philipp Rabetz. And together we are happy to present to you our new Wolftai's podcast series with practical insights about the rapidly changing digital law. We hope it will help you navigate the complexities of Europe's plans for our digital future. There will be a lot of ground to cover, as the EU legislator has kept quite busy in its attempt to make Europe fit for the digital age and to prepare us for the digital economy. That's right, uh, Roland. Glad to be here with you and I can't wait to get this podcast series started, in which we will unpack and decode for our listeners the various aspects of the European Union's ambitious policy agenda in the field of digital law. From the regulation of online platforms and artificial intelligence to the creation of a new European data economy and cybersecurity framework, we will have a lot to talk about. And it will be all the more exciting to do this together with colleagues from our various Wolftai's offices across the CEE and SEE region. So no worries, dear listeners, it will not just be Roland and I speaking to you over the course of the coming weeks and months. I think everybody has noticed the amount of news coming out from Brussels in recently about new legal acts, the Digital Services Act, the Artificial Intelligence Act, the Data Act, and we have various pieces of cybersecurity uh, legislation. And all of these form an integral part of the EU's digital strategy. We can say it is a completely new regulatory framework for the Union's digital economy with unprecedented complexity and with a global reach. One might feel, and rightly so, that this multitude of changes has become quite overwhelming. We therefore hope that our series of episodes will help you to keep an overview, make sense of it all, and to navigate with more confidence this increasingly thick legislative jungle. That's right. And specifically, each podcast episode will focus on one cornerstone element of the EU digital strategy. And what better place to start this journey than with the Digital Services Act or DSA, which is already in full force in effect and thus also an obvious topic for one of our first upcoming podcast episodes. As you may already know, the DSA is a directly applicable regulation which introduces new EU-wide rules for online platforms and other digital services that act as intermediaries in connecting users with goods, services and content online. The aim of the DSA is obviously to build a safer and fairer online environment, in particular by fighting unlawful content and protecting the user's fundamental rights. The EU and its member states have for a long time sought to combat the spread of unlawful or harmful online content. Hate speech, fake news or internet fraud and arguably these prior regulatory attempts have had limited success as demonstrated by various negative examples ranging from election meddling to COVID misinformation. In your view, Philip, how is the, the DSA different from earlier regulatory attempts? Well. As of yet, the DSA certainly marks the most comprehensive and ambitious attempt to create a harmonized framework for digital services, which seeks to improve on past shortcomings by, on the one hand, revising the existing liability rules for inter online intermediaries, 
but also importantly by introducing far-reaching new compliance and due diligence obligations for them. So depending on the type and size of the service at issue, these new obligations may include sophisticated notice and complaint mechanisms regarding unlawful content, rules around algorithmic and advertising transparency, heightened youth protection standards, and various transparency reporting requirements. So the new novel compliance obligations under the DSA are really quite extensive. And yet, uh, despite these far-reaching new obligations, there still seems to be a fair degree of uncertainty around the DSA's scope of application. In particular, the, the popular misconception seems to persist that the DSA would be limited to big platforms and social media companies such as Amazon, Facebook or other quote-unquote usual suspects. Now, while it is true that these big players receive special regulatory attention under the DSA, it should not be overlooked that extensive parts of the DSA actually apply to a diverse range of online services that deal with user content, irrespective of their size and reach. So what types of uh, different services are actually covered by the DSA? Can you give us some examples? Well, important uh, examples include interpersonal communication services, cloud services and web hosting, comparison platforms and online marketplaces, as well as web shops, blogs or online news sites that include common sections or similar functionalities. So in our podcast episode on the DSA, we will certainly try to dispel this notion that the DSA is a type of big tech regulation and discuss its practical implications for a variety of different digital services. And considering that the potential fines under the DSA can reach up to 6% of the provider's yearly turnover, it will certainly be worthwhile to tune in and to learn how to make your organization's websites or other digital services DSA-proof. Another hot topic in digital law dominating the news in recent months is certainly artificial intelligence. And of course, uh, we are also going to make this another focus point of our upcoming podcast series. As many of you will know, after long and tough negotiations, the EU institutions finally reached a political agreement on the AI Act in December. And we can state this is nothing less than the world's first comprehensive regulatory framework for AI technologies. This formal adoption of the final text is expected to follow before the European Parliament elections in June this year. The last pre-election plenary session in the EU Parliament is scheduled for April, so by this date the fate of the AI Act should be finally decided. We do expect that the final version will essentially conform with the latest compromise version. and This means that, similar to the layered compliance framework of the Digital Services Act, also the AI Act will follow a risk-based approach. Meaning, it classifies AI systems into four categories based on their presumed risk level. Minimal, limited, high and unacceptable risk. Systems with unacceptable risk, lucky guess, will be outright prohibited. For example, social scoring and certain cognitive behavioral manipulations. However, the bulk of regulatory requirements will focus on so-called high-risk AI systems. These high-risk systems will include a wide range of AI applications. For example, those used in HR and recruitment, in medical devices, aviation, critical infrastructure and law enforcement. Such high-risk systems will be subject to strict obligations before they can be put on the market, such as 
the implementation of risk assessments and mitigation systems, data governance and human oversight requirements, as well as mandatory registration in an EU database. AI systems of limited risk, on the other hand, will be merely subject to transparency requirements. This means that users must be made aware that they interact with an AI system. For example, an individual interacting with a chatbot will have to be informed that they are engaging with a machine so they can decide whether to continue the conversation or request to speak with a human instead. So overall, it can certainly be said that the, the necessary compliance effort for developers and, and providers of AI systems is quite substantial and should not be underestimated. At the same time, however, developers and, and providers of AI systems are far from the only players that are affected by the AI Act. Exactly. And, and the same as with the Digital Services Act, it is important to keep in mind that the AI Act covers not only big players and high-tech companies, as mentioned, but that it also imposes certain obligations on users and adopters of AI systems. So for any company that implements an AI system internally, for example in recruiting, HR, marketing, contract management and accounting, it is high time to learn the new rules. In our episode on AI regulation, we will talk about obligations under the AI Act that may apply to your organization. Moving on to another cornerstone element of the EU digital strategy, the Data Act, which constitutes nothing short of a paradigm shift in the European data economy. The Data Act will become largely applicable in September 2025, and with it, the EU seeks to unlock the full economic potential of the Union's data resources by creating a single market for data and breaking down existing data silos. To achieve these goals, the Data Act introduces mandatory data sharing mechanisms for connected products, better known as the Internet of Things or IoT. From connected cars and medical devices to the smart fridge telling you that you ran out of milk, the Data Act empowers users, including commercial users, to participate in the commercial exploitation of data generated by connected Internet of Things products. This also marks a significant evolution for the EU legislator, which moved from regulating data solely in the context of personal data and related fundamental rights to viewing data for what they really are, an immensely valuable commodity. And as we will discuss in detail in one of our upcoming podcast episodes, the Data Act covers different aspects of data sharing. These include mandatory user access to data generated by connected products, data sharing obligations between businesses and governments, requirements regarding interoperability and international data transfers, as well as restrictions regarding the contractual disposition over product data. As a result, connected IoT products will no longer be allowed to operate as type of data black boxes, silently collecting and analyzing usage data for the sole benefit of the product manufacturer. Instead, consumers and businesses alike will have greater access to and agency over the data they create when using connected products. Indeed, and this of course not only poses significant legal challenges for IoT manufacturers, they will also have to rethink and redesign their products in a way that allows for such data sharing in the first place. Needless to say, this is a historic undertaking. It is hard to understate the expected impact of the Data Act on the way we deal with and think about data as a commodity. 
Yes, exactly right. And for this reason, I'm already really excited, as I'm sure you are as well, about our upcoming podcast episode on the Data Act, where we will take a closer look at the main technical and legal challenges, as well as economic opportunities that lie ahead in the new European data economy. Agree, Philip. Closely related to all of the aforementioned topics, we will, of course, also discuss the cybersecurity and data protection related implications of the EU digital strategy. We will take a closer look at the EU's elaborate cybersecurity strategy that aims to create a robust framework for the European Union by building resilience to cyber threats and ensuring that citizens and businesses can benefit from trustworthy digital technologies. This project has already created a number of legal acts. Each of them focuses on different aspects of cybersecurity. The NIS2 Directive, the Cyber Resilience Act, the Cyber Solidarity Act, and the Critical Entities Resilience Directive. These legal acts have partially overlapping scope of application, and we want to provide clarity on this complex and interrelated web of cybersecurity requirements and discuss which requirements may also apply to your organization. And lastly, Roland, one of course should also not forget about the GDPR, which to a certain extent marked the beginning of the EU's intensified regulatory efforts for our digital economy. At some point, we will thus have to come full circle and connect the dots between all of the new laws under the digital strategy, such as the DSA, the AI Act or the Data Act on the one hand, and the existing data protection framework under the GDPR on the other. Unfortunately, however, the relationship between these different regulatory frameworks is hardly addressed in specificity in the various legal acts and many open questions remain, both in terms of the scope of the relevant obligations and their enforcement. It will thus constitute a significant legal challenge to figure out how the interplay works between the GDPR and the relevant pieces of the EU digital strategy. But our new podcast series is of course here to help and in the coming weeks, we will, among other things, take a detailed look at practical ways of implementing the new requirements under the digital strategy against the background of existing GDPR compliance regimes. So all this means good material to fill our podcast series and together with our colleagues, we will discuss how the EU's digital strategy will soon have an impact on the economy and therefore on all our lives too. We will be using examples that are as practical as possible and we very much look forward to have you on board for this shared journey. See you soon. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Woftai Soundshot. For more information, you can contact us via email at soundshots at or visit our website at www.woftais.com.